Hey everyone, welcome back to the Archie Sonic Digest, the only show where you can see a man's progressive descent into insanity as a direct result of Sonic the Hedgehog. And of course we have more nonsense that I definitely think will top the last, and yes, I am including the fact the Knuckles was meant to be a Jesus allegory. But before we get into that, uh, let me introduce uh, this episode's guests, my friends uh, from a little group called uh, Swaka. Why don't I just let everyone introduce themselves in turn? Hi everyone, I am Gio. I have absolutely no um, exposure to the Archie Sonic comics, so this is completely confusing to me. But I hopefully you'll enjoy my reactions. <laughs> uh, hi, I'm Maximus Mike, or Max. Again, my exposure, first exposure to the Archie comics is just memes, so we're gonna see how this goes. Uh, hi, I'm Ronnie Valentine. Follow me on Twitch. Uh, <laughs> hey, the plugs are plug. for the end. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> okay. Um, I have almost no exposure to the Archie Sonic comics except for like a chapter or two here and there. But yeah. All right. What's happening, campers? I'm Skell. Uh, I know a all right amount of stuff post-Super Genesis Wave, and I know, like, maybe ten things about pre-Super Genesis Wave, so hey, you know, this will be pretty fun to to learn about. Uh, hi, my name is Smash. Um, I know some things here and there about uh, Archie, Sonic the Comic. Um, a lot of my exposure to Sonic the Hedgehog comes from the video games. I know some memes from the uh, the Archie series. I know a lot of stuff from pre uh, post-reboot. Um, I've read some things here and there too, uh, but most of my, most of my knowledge of the series comes from, like, learning from lore from friends and watching videos about it on YouTube. Beautiful, beautiful, everyone. That went as smoothly as we anticipated and did not pre-prepare for that. Now, without any delay, why don't we get right into the very first comic we're covering tonight, uh, Knuckles number 13. This is a Sonic the Hedgehog show and we're starting off with Knuckles, as is the norm. Uh, I also wanted to point out that the cover uh, has like a weird has like a billboard that just says buy Sonic comics, which is a very bizarre way to self advertise. But you know what? What do I know? What do I know? And uh, we're we're gonna open on this uh, dingo cab driver by the name of Harry who overhears a cry for help, and that cry for help is coming from Charmy, who is seeing his friend die from an LSD overdose. Ah, okay. Oh, I see. The nice, friendly cab driver uh, brings Charmy and his friend to the doctor to help him deal with this problem. And uh, at the same time, uh, Remington, who is the chief of the Echidna police, along with the Chaotix, follow inside asking if Charmy himself was in danger since he, quote, matched the description. We already got a racism in this episode. It's not even like five minutes in. <laughs> Shaking my head, man. The doctor uh, walks out solemnly and uh, 
no no context, no dialogue. Charmy just kind of understands what this means. Like, his friend's dead. Can we get an F in the chat, guys? Big S. F. F. By the way, this is like the first five pages of the comic. Like we have no emotion. We have no emotional preparation for what's going on. <laughs> yeah. yeah, none. E, dead. So uh, we then skip to another scene. Uh, we see a delivery occurring with the receiver uh, with a rodent by the name of Renfield, who we were previously introduced to in a uh, another Knuckles comic. And he's also talking over comms with uh, his supplier, dude by the name of Downtown Ebony Hair. He talks like what you think Al Capone would sound like. Downtown <laughs> so Ebony Hair. I might adopt that title. Don't. I'm trying oh, to help you oh, by geez. saying don't. Oh, no. <laughs> Are you seriously telling me that we have a sonic equivalent of Al Capone? That is exactly what I'm saying. Oh. Yo, we're off to oh, a God. great start. Man, these comics are great, man. What is, what is everybody talking about? <laughs> hey, we got a dead guy from LSD, so it really is a great start. So, after that scene, we then cut back to the police office. Remington's questioning Charmy on exactly what happened. Basically, Charmy was bringing his friend Milo back to the local theme park that is called Happy Land. They explore it. What an original title, let me tell you. They explore it, and then they jump to a part where uh, they're still flying about, but Milo, like, crashes, falls down, he feels ill, and just collapses. He says his head is burning and, quote, See sunbursts and purple unicorns and rainbow fields that go on forever and just collapses. I, I can't tell if that's shrooms or a seizure. Probably both. Yes. Actually, since you mentioned that, Charmy says he started twitching and screaming when he called for help. Oh my god. Uh, oh. My god. <laughs> and then, uh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> Remington says that Milo's case may have been related to other situations where people have been found with, and I, sh I shit you not, this is real, this is what it's called, lemon sundrop dandelion poisoning. What? Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> lemon sundrop dandelion poisoning? LSD. Oh. Ken Pender, subtlety is thy name. Lucy in the sky with diamonds. <laughs> so, Remington would also say that the chaotic... He told the chaotics that uh, all the cases that they found, nobody overdosed, but they were addicted to it overnight. And he thinks that something that they ate was the trigger to it. All the victims were younger, school-aged... But Charmy notes oh, no. that everyone survived, but Milo didn't. Uh, he just tells them, wait here for the medical report. Let's just go to the theme park to uh, investigate. Then uh, we then see uh, Locke and Saber, who are Knuckles' uh, like dad and grandfather, for the record, uh, in Haven, overlooking the monitors. And they see Knuckles in the Badlands. He's fighting. Uh, we don't know who, but we see him fighting, charging at him with lights and dust. Locke thinks to actually get involved for once and help Knuckles, but then he gets distracted and looks at the monitors to see the Chaotix leaving for the theme park. They then get inside. Julie Sue points out that according to Remington, uh, they should look at the food first. Right then and there, Mighty gets a hot dog from the nearby food stand and invites everyone to do so because they are delicious, according to him. Oh no. Oh, this is not going to end well. <laughs> I could see where this is going. <laughs> so, Charmy, uh... 
He quickly gets a headache, as do the rest of the Chaotix, except for Julie Sue, who didn't eat any, like, you know, a normal person would do under these circumstances. And she calls out for Charmy. He's, like, tripping balls and says, Take a journey to the center of my mind, Julie Sue, as Charmy sights distorts. And I'm talking, like, fisheye lens. The art is, like, warping in on itself. And that's the end of Knuckles number 13. What? What? That's the end? Uh That's the last panel. Um, Hot dog. What? What? Mm. That's not even knuckles. Mm-hmm. It's all charmy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And we had to. And, and readers had to wait a month <laughs> to see what happened after that. Yep. Ken Penders, man. He knows. He knows cliffhangers. I'll give him that. And I'm not being like you know. I'm not. I'm not like shitting around when I say that. Like I mean that. I, I do think he actually is pretty good with that one specific writing characteristic. Yeah, because wow. all of his ideas are so outlandish that you have no idea what's going on. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. He he's good at cliffhangers because he's so bad. I feel like I got so much information that amounted to absolutely nothing. Congratulations, Ron. You've described everything Ken Penders has ever written. Oh, great. <laughs> I would give you a prize, but I have no money. Anyway. That's, yeah, instead, that's Instead, you get more pain. You get okay. more pain. That's your fucking prize. So we'll move on to Knuckles number 14. We open on a dream Charmy is having while he's tripping balls, obviously. So... Point of view shot, we see his parents and his sister, his dad putting a crown on top of his head, saying he is now the prince of the B-realm, his rightful place. He lashes out, shatters the crown, saying he never wanted to be a prince in the first place. The scene distorts, we pull back to the medical room. Charmy is like seizing in the bed with the chaotix. The doctor is saying that he, specifically Charmy, needs a transfusion. He goes to see Remington and Julie Sue who are in the waiting room. And it was saying that it was good when they got here when they did. And Remington thinks that they probably didn't get like a super bad dosage as others did. They won't be addicted. They'll just need to sleep it off. I think Jar- since Charmy is like a bee and is so small, he just gets the worst of it. Yeah. Fair enough. Uh, yeah, slow tolerance. <laughs> oh, I know that. True. <laughs> Remington and Julie Sue drive out to the theme park where they see Renfield and uh, Ebony Hare. With Hare saying... That uh, there's too much, <clears throat> there's too much special sauce on the chili dog. It's way <laughs> too. Oh, oh, no. No. Oh, no. There's too much special sauce. That's not right. Uh, hey, listen, God. listen. Renfield defensively brings out his bodyguard, saying, "Hey, man, there's no complaints here. I have no problems." And he tries to kick hair out. But then Hare's uh, bodyguard overpowers him, pushes back on Renfield, saying, don't, too, don't use too much, quote, give them a taste so they beg for more. Okay, this has to stop. Uh, Jesus Christ. Oh, no. Hey, no, hey, no, this no. is a direct quote, man. I'm just the journalist here. Don't shoot me. So when do we, when do we break into Ken Pender's house and eradicate him? Uh, in Minecraft? We can do that whenever. Oh, yeah. So, uh... Back into Charmy's dream, we see uh, a girl bee who we assume is, like, Charmy's girlfriend slash, like, betrothed, arranged marriage. I don't know. Her name is Saffron. That's all all you need to know. He finds her annoying, so he flies away. (laughs) And uh, as he's leaving, Milo charges into Charmy, saying that, hey, bro, like, your acknowledgement ceremony is going to be soon. Like, come on. Like, aren't you hyped for this, bro? He's like, no. 
I don't want to deal with this, man. Like, leave me alone. And he was like, oh, hold on, bro. You know, we fly over the floating island a lot. Like, why don't we just go there? We'll center ourselves. We'll have a little adventure. And then we'll talk about this. Okay? So, they both fly down into the floating island. And uh, that's where uh, Charmy meets Mighty for the first time. And they introduce each other. Then right there, Mighty wakes up, uh, complaining that he feels a little weak, and says, Ah, you know, if I get the blood going, I think I'll feel better. Doctor is paged to see Mighty awake, and he runs into his room to see Mighty deadlifting his cot. Nurse on the bed is just like, hey, bro, what's up? Hare and Redfield are seeing Julie Sue and Remington over the monitors in the park, and Redfield decides to go greet them. Shows them the people eating the food. There's no problems. Everything's all kosher. And the two continue to investigate. And then Hare says, once the, t- once the test run is complete, make sure the rodent is deep-sixed. Oh, Jesus Christ. That's the one panel we see of him in this moment, by the way. Wait, I'm sorry. Make sure he's deep what? Deep-sixed. Oh. Like six feet under. Oh. <laughs> oh. We then go back to Haven. We see Locke and Saber seeing Knuckles uh, fighting a biker gang and used chaos powers to win. But he's winded and knocks himself out. And uh, Locke says that uh, his second-in-command, Archimedes, who, for the record, is like a fire ant. He's like this big, like six inches tall. For some reason, they have accompanied the Guardians over their lifetime. I, I don't know. It hasn't been explained, and I don't think it ever will. So uh, he says, don't worry about it, Locke. Uh, uh, Archimedes will uh, show him how to use his powers properly. We then cut back to the hospital. Vector wakes up, takes a big yawn, and the nurse screams at the top of her lungs saying, the last one picks me up and now this one wants to bite me. And he calls for the doctor. Now I have two racisms in this comic, man. Mm. Wow. Profiling, huh? I mean, like, they're all a kid as they... I mean, there is no excuse for racism. Let's be honest here. There is no excuse. Vector, upon waking up, sees Charmy seizing, calls for the doctors, and then we see the cab driver from the last story, Harry. He picks up another dingo, Stryker, uh, the kind of the leader of the dingoes. He's their general, as they refer to him as, if you remember from the last episodes. Saying that one way or another, he's still a dingo, and if he did his tour of duty, you still have to go with the program. Or it's his funeral. His words. Leaving a little a little sprinkle for something in the future. If you're taking notes, uh, that's an important one. Huh. Uh, as he leaves, uh, Remington and Julie Sue come into his cab, saying that, "Hey, we, we know you, man. Like, you're. We've got we've got a special bonus racism. We're saying, hey, we know you. Like, we know you've got some seedy stuff going on. Like, take us to where this stuff is going on. And is and Harry says like." Look, all right, I'll do it, but uh, on one condition, uh, uh, waive all my unpaid parking tickets. Which, I, in all retrospect, is not asking for a lot, so they comply. Yeah, no. That's I mean, a reasonable parking request. Mm-hmm. I agree. Facts. Facts. Mm-hmm. Actual facts. So, uh, we then see uh, Julie Sue blindfolded as Hare comes in wanting to talk business with her. She doesn't really oh, take no. to this kindly. She tries to leave. But is uh, get a little. Her face is kind of shoved in a little bit by Ebony Hare, and uh, her receiver that uh, Remington planted on her goes dead. He tries to call for backup. Right then, Julie Sue is taken to the roof and pushed off a high rise. 
And that's oh. the end of number 14. Uh, I was, okay. 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 Yeah. yeah. Sure. All right. I'm glad to see you guys got with the program. No questioning. We're just going on. Glad to yeah. see it. And without hesitation, we'll cut to Knuckles number 15. We open with the doctor operating on Charmy. Like, full on, like, o- open cut operation. Doctor tells. Oh, no. <laughs> with the doctor telling a story to the nurses about a patient, quote, had no credits with which to pay. If you want a freebie, go to the butcher. If you want a master surgeon, pay to get the best in the business. Which, number one, what the fuck do you mean credits? What's this Star Trek bullshit? Number two, capitalism is a rot. Our healthcare system is a joke. Agreed. Damn. They really mm-hmm. be putting that in Sonic comics, huh? Uh, comrade Ken Penders. <laughs> well, he's got one thing going for him. After the surgeon finishes, he walks away to uh, vomit as the nurse stitches him back up. Meanwhile, uh, Julie Sue is pushed off. She lines a hook shot, swings and crashes through a hotel room window. Uh, and for a, a fun little thing, the woman in the hotel room is screaming at the top of her lungs. Her husband's dead asleep, saying there's no... And sh- Julie Sue says, uh, no one's in here. You're just having a bad dream. And she runs out, runs down the stairs, crashes into Remington, right as they fight one of uh, Hare's goons. Rush out into the street. Okay. They pile into Harry's cab, demanding him to follow a car. And I know that any it's any cab driver's dream to whenever they get a passenger that screams, follow that car, it's their full instincts. Their flight or f- fight or flight mode, baby. Finally. <laughs> My own car This is what I've been dreaming for. <laughs> so the car they're following, which is Hare's limo, he calls and talks to a professor, sc- literally screaming, Shut it down, shut it down, shut it down, shut it down! <laughs> uh, meanwhile, the Chaotics are waiting in the uh, hospital lounge, uh, waiting for Vector to fix his Walkman. Espio reveals himself because he was bored waiting for Vector to fix it. They run out and they zero in on a police band, which is what S- uh, Vector was trying to do this whole time. What a smart guy, isn't he? Then Remington and Julie Sue climb up this watchtower, knock out the dingo who's on watch and who's like just watching a soccer game. And I have in my notes, hate crime count number four. Of course. Mm-hmm. They zip Let's line into it. the number. They zip line into another building. They find Hare and his goons in a factory and overhear the professor giving Hare like this batch, which is quote enough to send everyone on the floating highlands sky high for weeks. Oh no! <laughs> oh no! As if this allegory wasn't blatant enough. Uh, the Thank other two drugs. goons uh, have boxes of papers, according to Hare, and he just says like throw them in the limo. Meanwhile, the Chaotics are following uh, the cop's band. They find Hare's factory, see Harry's cab, and go in. And then, upon seeing Espio, Harry just straight out pulls a gun on him. Like, no, like, hesitation. Like, it, obviously, it's, like, you know, for kids, like a, like a weird little, like, Star Trek, like, pistol thing. But, like, the, the man's... Espio's got, like, a barrel, like, staring at him. Like, let's, let's keep this into perspective here. No one... Pales in comparison. No one, no one pales in comparison to the power of a gun. This is a universal rule. True, mm-hmm. true. Harry just says, "Like, listen, bro, you you gotta be more fucking careful here, man. Like, you could have gotten hurt or worse." He then he says he drove that their friends in. They went inside twenty something minutes ago. 
One of them came out. I don't know which one. Which uh, leads Espio and the others to rush in. We then go inside the factory. Hare's overhearing someone sneaking around. Bodyguard looks around. To which it's uh, Remington hitting him over the head with a 2x4. Which doesn't do anything. Phases him absolutely not. And uh, pushes him into the crates as Julie Sue distracts Hare for a minute. So, what happens here? Crouching down, Hare has his gun to Julie Sue's temple. Shoots... But as he shoots, his gun is immediately pointed up. Espio's in camouflage. He's distracted. Julie Sue hits him in the face and is sent flying. Right then, the bodyguard fighting Remington, Mighty sneaks away and takes him out as a kidna cops rush in. And they arrest Hare and confiscate his secret sauce. <laughs> no, not the secret sauce! Not the secret sauce. <laughs> Talk about being lost in the sauce. Oh. I hate it here. me too the cops at the same time are also raiding happy land they're also taking the chili dog sauce Uh, he's kind of protesting a little bit too much he's like hey hey bro come on that's for my business to which one of the cops looks at him and goes like do you want to be arrested as a co-conspirator he's like no no i'm I'm good i'm good thanks you can you can have it here here, here's a free ticket too you know So, at that point, uh, the scene moves away to see Locke and Saber looking at Knuckles with him channeling the energies of the Master Emerald. And Saber's pointing out that Knuckles is doing way more than channeling. Even though he fights off everyone he was fighting, Knuckles just screams out he just wants to go home as a portal opens in front of him, steps into it, and vanishes with the closing behind him. Now Knuckles is nowhere to be found. Oh. This happens Hmm. in like half a page. I, I yeah like if this pacing sounds weird to you guys that's because it is like i sound like listening to myself talk while i'm explaining this i sound insane do i sound insane just a tad yeah yes exactly yeah. like it's like we have problems here like we have big there's problems. so much happening right now yeah like, meanwhile, it's a yeah. lot to keep track of like we're basically looking at three different groups of people following like somewhat converging stories but at the same time it's like we're bouncing back and forth. And also keep in mind, uh, this is a Knuckles branded comic, and we've only seen Knuckles like three times. Yeah, I was I was gonna say something. Um literally Knuckles is just in the background punching things as other characters are getting stories told. Mm-hmm. Well, them's the breaks. I mean, a lot of times <laughs> I find myself forgetting that um we're talking about Knuckles or Sonic? Yeah, I, me too. Well, I mean, well there, there's yeah. that, but also like I'm, I'm, I, sometimes I will forget that these two characters that you mentioned back to back are actually not in the same area. <laughs> yeah, they're overlooking monitors. That's all that they've done up to this point in the story. By the way, this cabal—they're just like staring at monitors and seeing whatever the hell everyone's doing. They're, at this point, they're just a plot device to move the story along. That's all that they are right now. Okay. Oh. All right. That's ominous. That's foreboding. <laughs> I'm glad I don't I like. Me. I don't like where this is going. <laughs> Saber also points out that what they saw Knuckles do, you know, opening wormholes and shit. He points out that that goes far beyond that of what a guardian is normally capable of doing with the Master Emerald, and says that this should be discussed before the full Brotherhood, as he's displaying power similar to Enerjack. Meanwhile, the Chaotix are going off to the Golden Hive Colony, which is Charmy's home. He's perfectly healed, but they're bringing Milo's body home. Charmy delivers his eulogy. 
saying that he and his best friend will never share the sun again, but he will always be in his heart. In the distance, Charmy sees his friends the Chaotix, goes to him, and walks them back to his home. And then we have a nice big ceremony shot of Charmy accepting his title as Crown Prince of the Beehive Colony. And that's the end of Knuckles number 15. And... Uh how old is Ar- how old is um Charmy in the Archie comics at this uh, point? Uh, fifteen, I think. Yeah, fifteen. It's a long story, but accept that fact for now, okay? Uh, okay. Mm, okay. Just accept that fact. <laughs> Isn't that something you could say for the whole damn comic strip? <laughs> I, I mean, look. <laughs> I, I mean, look. If you really want an explanation, it's because uh. In Knuckles Chaotix, Charmy was introduced as like 1516, so that's the character that they went with for the comics, and then later uh, a thing happens. Let's. Uh, oh. I'm, I'm just going to put it at that. <laughs> oh, I know, yeah, I, I, I know what you're talking thing. about. I know what you're talking about. A thing happens. Let's leave it at that. So now, uh, I wanted to bring up something with you guys. Uh, beyond the fact that this was uh, Knuckles literally being a backseat in his own fucking comic, we only see him three times doing a lore-establishing thing, and that's it. We have to deal with what's basically a very special episode for these comics, dealing with, like, drugs and shit. But you know what's worse? I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna like, go on a little bit of a rant here, guys, because I'm gonna be honest. If this was, like, a genuine, like, very special episode of, like, you know, how cartoons in the early 80s and 90s you would used to do of, like, hey, drugs are bad, okay? Like, if it was like that, if this ended with Charmy saying along the lines, like, you know what? This whole adventure taught me that uh, it's really hard, uh, drugs. <laughs> they are. They will cause great effects, not just to yourself, but to the people around you. And I think it should be incumbent on all of us to do something about it. Like, if that was the message, I would have given this a pass. Because in my mind, I would have thought, oh, this is just a very special episode. All right, Ken Penders, I see what you were going with. Let's carry on. But no, it wasn't like that. This whole drug shit, as, like, thinly veiled as it was, was just for a plot device. It moved a story along, and that's it. I'm not, like, some weird, like, I, I don't know, what's the word, like, I, I don't know, and I don't really care at this point. The point is, is that I don't, I don't care if you use drugs, that's your business, not mine. But honestly, if Ken was supposed to, like, do something with this, like, have a message. Like, this is just very bizarre. You're gonna have everyone, uh, like, get addicted and have one overdose on what's basically LSD. You call it lemon sundrop dandelion, for God's sakes. You are as subtle as a goddamn train, Ken Penders. Like, this is just like... I, I don't think it's offensive. It's just bizarre. Why would you do this? I love Chaotix All-Stars to the rescue. See, if it was like that, it would have been fine. I wouldn't have cared. Let's just carry this along. But no, it's just... It's a little inappropriate, I think. Maybe that's the worst. Maybe it's just inappropriate. I don't know. What do you guys think? Does Ken Penders do drugs? I, I, I mean, would you be surprised? <laughs> Based on what I have listened to. <laughs> so I think that might be it. I wouldn't be surprised if Ken Penders used fucking lemon sun drop dandelion. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, wherever his inspiration comes from, I, I don't judge. Art is art for a reason, you know? Yeah. yeah. Loosely based on true Not events. all conflict has to be resolved. To me, it kind of just comes out of nowhere. It really does, doesn't it? 
It's like the first the first thing we touched upon was like, oh yeah, Charmy's best friend is dying of an LSD overdose. Like, yes. Uh-huh. <laughs> this is the that yep. is li- I'm not even exaggerating. That's like the second page of the comic. You see like Milo like seizing out. Like you don't have any emotional preparation for it. Well, you know what? Sometimes life just slaps you in the face like that. <laughs> With an LSD overdose. That's not an excuse. <laughs> no. I don't know. I don't know. I think she has a point, guys. I think she has a point. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes, that's that's the artistic choice that he went yeah. with. <laughs> Absolutely, yes. absolutely. Ken Penders, you did see. This is why we collaborate. This is why we have to think because clearly Ken Penders is too high-minded of an individual for us <laughs> to understand what he's going through. This is why we have to come together as a group and have to analyze this as a group because we're not going to be able to reach conclusions like this on our own. That's two hundred IQ storytelling. Of course. Of it's course. Contenders. Of course, absolutely. Unironically though, um minus the uh minus Charmy's friend dying, it kind of feels like filler. <laughs> oh Ken Penders does not know the word of filler. Everything is important here. Everything mm-hmm. has a purpose. Right now it does. I don't know. I don't know what hijinks we're gonna get on in the next couple minutes here, but that's just how it feels like right now. So, uh, w- any last thoughts, or would you like to continue to the hijinks? I've got some last words before I. Uh... Please. <laughs> Bye. I gotta go. <laughs> that's a smart move. Honestly, <laughs> I I do the same thing. We'll move on away from the Knuckles comic, and we're going to Sonic number 61. We open, uh, Sonic and Tails are uh, down and out in Down Under, which it is what you think it is. It is the Sonic equivalent of Australia, and yes, that is actually how it's said. I did not put on an accent. Please don't judge me. I was literally about to ask you that. Down Under. Down Under. Down Under. So, and they're also uh, uh, with the Down Under Freedom Fighters. And they're being ambushed Whoa. by a platypi with Sonic calling them flat-tailed freaks. Racism number five. Not. Wow. Jesus. Not come even on, our man. boy Sonic. Sonic, come on, man. I have some words of advice for the children listening. Don't be, yeah, don't be racist. It's not, it's not a good look. You will not get a girlfriend if you're racist. It's true. Unless she's racist, too. But in that case, it's not worth it. After they uh, fight themselves free, Sonic and Tails are told about the restoration efforts that the Down Under Freedom Fighters did after Sonic defeated Robotnik, including cleaning up the mines. But one day, one of their own uh, members, Duckbill Platypus as he's named, went rogue, led an uprising of his fellow platypi, said that he wanted to negotiate a peace treaty, but they were tricked into an ambush. I have here in my notes, uh, parentheses, war crime. Oh, I see. Of course. Uh, And right then and there was when Sonic and Tails landed in Down Under and uh, ended up whitewater rafting down with them. Uh, (laughs) I'm I'm sorry. I don't think I'm ever going to get over that name. (laughs) Down Under. Down Under. Yeah, don't don't get used to it because then you'll become like me. Do you want to be like me? Absolutely not. Please don't. I'm not a good role model. Look what I'm doing with my time. Life tips by Sonic. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Feeling down under. <laughs> oh no! This has Fuck. to stop. This has to stop. <laughs> if you sympathize with my pain, please support me on Patreon.com/slash/SonicSpeed. 
please. Nice. I think I might KMS <laughs> okay, before okay. Ronnie does. <laughs> this hey, is his show. This this whole this whole podcast episode is just a suicidality test right now. You're all winning right now, by the way. Hey, let's go! First time let's I've go. won anything in my life. Whoa. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so they whitewater raft and uh, are attacked by more platypi. Which also uh, aggravate the crocodiles in the water and are attacked by them as well. Sonic uh, gets off the raft, creates a wave on the water just by like spin dashing on top of it, I think. And uh, the raft basically has a path open and leads to Bill's hideout. They break in, find a trick door, and see uh, the arch enemy of the Down Under Freedom Fighters, Crockbot. Just his torso though, he's a robot so he's still kind of alive. He tells them that he hit a receiver in Bill's ear, and when they found his body while they were sifting through the rubble, it activated him like a sleeper agent, so that he would mass-assemble the platypi, slowly rebuild him, and uh, re-establish his uh, dominion over Down Under. Sonic and the boys respond by dismantling him and turn off Bill's programming. All's well that ends well, they're sent off by the Down Under Freedom Fighters off to another adventure. That's only the first story, by the way. There's two more. Oh. What? Okay. All right. Oh, oh, okay. Sonic and... uh, The the, the second story we're covering, Sonic and Tails are just seen flying over the ocean, and they see a cloud overhead that's suspiciously shaped like Ixis Nagus, and their uh, radar is flipping out. And we then see the Nagus cloud moving, sentient by his magic, and smacks the plane out of the sky. It nosedives. Sonic pulls it up in time and flies through the Nagus cloud, which dissipates, and they're like, that was weird. And then they uh, find land, and they're flying towards it. That's the end of that one. Uh, oh. That seemed like a waste of time. <laughs> and speaking of waste of time, we have our next story here, which focuses on Jeffrey St. John. Does that name ring a bell to you guys? Oh, oh boy, no. let's That's go. That's exactly what I was hoping for. It's simp time. <laughs> simp. Oh. He is a simp. And also, he is, uh, just to refresh your guys' memory, he is the head of the Rebel Underground, the King's Secret Service. No, so he's a fed. That's what I'm trying to say here. He's a fed. A fed and a simp. The Two of the worst things you could possibly be in the world. And now Facts. into one character. Facts. So uh, we see Jeffrey uh, running uh, from an explosion with his second-in-command by the name of Fleming. And uh, he, he's, a bit, he's been with the service uh, since his father was in charge. And he says, hey, Jeffrey, uh, I'm too fucking old. I'm going to retire now. And that's exactly what, what he does. And Jeffrey reports this to the king. Uh, king Acorn, Sally's dad, obviously. With him telling to find a, a replacement. Jeffrey asks, Jeffrey asks, hey, uh, your majesty, do you have anyone in mind? And Jeffrey says, uh, no, I don't. That's your responsibility to find a new one. Uh, go away. And uh, he also receives a mission assignment at the same time. Quote, assemble a strike force of no more than five capable of covert operations for assignments in foreign territories. So he's not only a Fed, he's a CIA. He's an op. The worst kind. That was a whole lot of words, man. Yeah. Do I need to repeat anything? I feel like I do. No. No, you don't have to repeat anything. That was just a whole lot of words. (laughs) Okay. All right. I'm trusting your guys' judgment. You guys are uh, the... 
what's the word? You guys are the XP of the audience listening in. Whatever you questions have, I'm sure that's the questions the audience has. This first mission uh, leads him to the floating island. Jeffrey begins to assemble his strike force. He uh, uses heat binoculars to find someone camouflaged, saying, Once an op, always an op, and uh, continues to recruit. By the way, he, he recruited a comedian who will soon uh, his lear- learn his name is Valdez. Just putting that out there. I didn't have that in my notes, but that's important to know. Okay. okay. And then, okay. then he travels to Down Under, recruits a young wallaby. Yeah, okay. La- just fucking laugh. Just come on. Let's <laughs> <laughs> fucking laugh. I don't care anymore. Down Under. Down Under, yeah. I can't help it. It's <laughs> so stupid. <laughs> Holy shit! <laughs> it wasn't Ken Penders that came up with the name, by the way. It was another writer, uh, Mike Gallagher. Uh, I, I just uh, feel like the need. Like, we don't need to blame everything on Ken Penders, okay? So, uh, he recruits a young wallaby there and takes them back to Mobotropolis. And then he goes to Hershey, his girlfriend, and uh, gives her a key card and says, Hey, show up to the armory tomorrow morning. No other context than that. And leaves with him saying, three down, two to go. And decides to call oh. it a night. And that's the end of uh, Sonic number 61. Okay. Three down? Three down. Because he's looking for uh, roots, re- recruits for his like team. So he already got oh. three. The chameleon, the wallaby, and his girlfriend. So he needs two more. So he's got it. Like, just like Avengers initiative? <laughs> Avengers initiative. You got it. I feel like he's recruiting five teenagers with attitude. I feel like the girlfriend thing is like a pity member. That doesn't count. <laughs> that doesn't count. Oh, no. I mean, to be fair, she murdered Sally Acorn. Murdered. <gasps> oh? No, like, she's capable. Wait? She's capable. That's all I'm saying. So, uh, uh, do you guys have, like, anything to, you want to say? I, I just like really love the fact that you just so nonchalantly said that she murdered Sally Acorn. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, well, yeah but she got weird. better. It's fine. Sally got she better got from better. being dead. It's okay. It's okay. It got better. So we'll move on to Sonic number 62. Uh, the plane crash lands with Sonic and Tails over the Great Desert. See a town out in the horizon, but uh, it's a pretty long walk. Right then, uh, tanks and big rigs show up like it's fucking Mad Max. And uh, out of them uh, pops out a rabbit who calls out Sonic by name and brings him and Tails into their rig. Meanwhile, we see Snively imprisoned at the Devil's Gulag. Do I need to give you guys context for that, or do you want me to just blare right on? Can you, um... Can it's, you explain the Devil's Gulag? It's basically the Mobian version of Guantanamo Bay. Oh, okay. okay. Yeah, okay. no, that's great. I love that. Welcome to the Gulag! <laughs> the Gulag. Snively is just ranting a little bit, saying he's too smart to be here. Right as uh, another dude, uh, Draco Wolf, is, is heckling him, telling him, like, hey, bro, you, you're pretty funny. Tell us another joke about being Robotnik's lackey. You're hilarious. Snively disregards all this. As we transition to the next scene, uh, this rabbit that's leading this team, Jack is his name, is bringing Sonic and Tails to their headquarters and says that Sonic is legendary around these parts and that's exploits of him beating back Robotnik when they came back to him inspired them to fight back against uh, their local Robotnik sub-boss, as they're called. His Freedom Fighters, which he refers to as the Sandblasters. 
That that is the worst name I've ever heard in my <laughs> life. Oh my goodness. No, I think Down Under is still the worst for me. <laughs> uh, in the distance, they see some Robians, but special kinds of Robians, because their eyes glow red and they are all capable of shooting lasers. No other Robian is capable of doing this for the record. It just seems like it's these ones in particular. Okay. Is any of this explained? No. So oh. they could just shoot lasers. Yeah, we just have to accept it. Okay. Sure, I guess. Fine. They're shooting lasers at their ca- at their caravan, and Jack is like, Alright, bro, Serpentine, you know the maneuver. Sonic jumps down, spins to create a sandstorm to sweep up all these Robians, and Tails notes that uh, these Robians don't seem like they're under anyone's control in particular, but they're just attacking mindlessly. Jack is like, yeah, you're probably right, but it doesn't matter. Sonic already wiped them all out. And he climbs back into Jack's tank and notices that they're already at the city. Uh, the place where Jack calls home, Sandblast City. Okay. Wow. Oh. <laughs> okay. And then also we see overhead a satellite's being activated and acquiring a target. We'll get to that later. So we see the interior of Sandblast City. Uh, Sonic and Tails are welcome as honored guests. And Jack takes them to what he calls the most important spot of town. And the most important spot happens to be a giant stone effigy of Sonic. Uh, Why is there right. a giant stone effigy of Sonic? Because he's their like local hero. They're the reason Sonic is the like I'm not shitting around here. That is genuinely the reason they do revere him. That's why oh. they like I don't want to say deify, but they like worship him pretty strongly. Okay. Mm, okay. Okay. They're obviously taken a little bit aback by this, uh, but Jack says, "Hey, man, with Sonic around, we don't even need our force field that's protecting us from the Robians that shoot eye lasers." That's oh, not no, good no, thinking. No, no, no. <laughs> I see you guys have the correct instinct. Uh, We then transition to see Snively in his cell with uh, everyone else in the gulag kind of egging him on, saying like, hey, bro, if you're so smart, why don't you just release us then? Right as his nail file drops, and at that exact pinpoint second, uh, all the cell doors open and all the inmates run free. That's, That's pretty good. That's... That's a pretty good move, not gonna lie. 200 IQ move, if I do say so myself. Mm-hmm. Love a good prison break. So, uh, in the next morning, Sonic and Tails are in the hotel, with uh, Tails awake, but Sonic dead asleep since he partied too hard last night. Tails tries to leave through the front door, but uh, he he notices that the, the door is locked from the outside. But he escapes through a vent... And notices overhead that Jack and his sandblasters are trying to tarp over the plane. Uh, Tails swoops down and is like, hey, bro, what are you doing to my goddamn machine? Jack seems like, oh, uh, don't worry about it, man. Uh, there, there's, there's, there's sand in the exhaust. There's sand in the pipes. There's sand in your pipes. We'll take care of it for you. But you'll have to be here for like another couple weeks. So <laughs> don't, don't worry too much about that. This is suspicious. I don't like this. Sus on the sandblasters. I do my own plumbing. <laughs> Tails <laughs> protests. <laughs> you do your own plumbing. I'm sorry. I tried to fucking move on. It sounds like those calls you get where it's like, hi, we're from uh, the air duct cleaning. Uh, would you like to get your air ducts cleaned? 
We're here to call you about your extended warranty. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Classic. Love those. So, <laughs> obviously, Tails is protesting to all this and says, uh, uh, we have, like, a pretty urgent mission here. Like, we don't know where Nagus is, and he could be, like, you know, trying to take over all of Mobius. You know, we kind of have a power vacuum with Robotnik gone. Like, you know, we kind of want to deal with this, nip it in the butt as soon as we can. But then, like, Sonic rushes in and kind of, like, berates Tails a little bit. It's just like, eh, don't worry about it, Tails. Nagus is still going to be on the loose after we leave, direct quote. Sonic, no. (laughs) So what's the problem of us staying, Sonic asks, as we see the inmates of the Devil's Gulag rioting and escaping. That's the end of that story. Oh. Okay. What could go wrong? And uh, speaking of things going wrong, we're picking up from the last story where Jeffrey was dealing with his thing. Oh, boy. He walks into a a room thinking that an intruder is there right as a bomb goes off and blasts Jeffrey to the other side of the room. But then... Oh! (laughs) Okay. Hold on. on. Right as this robot calls out saying, hey, don't shout, you'll spook him. We then see uh, this robot... Heavy from the Knuckles Chaotic story. Uh, he says that uh, he and Bomb have been looking for a place to call home right after Robotnik was defeated. And uh, Jeffrey asks about Bomb considering he basically committed suicide. And Heavy says, like, yeah, don't worry about it. I keep a, a backup of his AI stored and I transfer it into another shell every time he explodes. Oh. He ah, says that very nonchalantly, by the way. This is normal for him. And normal for me, too. Oh, yeah. So Jeffrey sees these two and he's like, I found my last two. We then move to the next morning. The team is fully assembled with Jeffrey showing them a, a little weapon, a, a, a very, a very tiny little gun, which he calls a Buffalo 397 with a power cell and a targeting soap as the power similar of a brick hitting glass. He tells them that their mission, unlike the freedom fighters, is to protect the monarchy from all threats internal and external. So, to initiate them, Jeffrey brings them into a training hall, with a whole new sect of agents being trained. Their first test, being dropped into a water tank with a robot shark, Hershey freaks out on account of the fact that, you know, she's a cat, whereas Valdez throws Bomb into the shark's mouth, detonates him, and Jeffrey says, congratulations, teamwork makes the dream work, you pass with flying colors, but the next test won't be so easy. And that's the end of Sonic 62. Yeah, shoutouts to Valdez. This guy sounds awesome. Right? <laughs> he doesn't waste time. He does not waste time. I respect it. And uh, speaking of not wasting time, let's just move right along. Sonic number 63. We open on the Devil's Gulag. All the boys are riding. Snively is in the corner, pissing his pants and wondering, Oh God, what have I gotten myself into? I am going to die. Meanwhile, in a Sandblast City, Sonic and Tails are being pampered by their host. There's being pampered by their host. Sonic's getting a massage, getting chili dogs on the reg. Life's all good for our blue hero. But Tails is not very receptive to all this, uh, being concerned with Sonic being so lazy and delaying the mission. They shoo away their, uh, their hosts, and they and Jack overhear Sonic and Tails arguing about them staying. And Jack says that they will stay here for the rest of their natural-born days. Ah, there it is. We go back to the Gulag Riot. 
Sniffly is trying to be, you know, all Weasley sneaking out and stuff. As the leaders of the riot grab him, he's scared shitless, but he is uplifted over their head and ordained their leader for, and they're giving him credit for breaking the locks of their cells. He's their man now. Snively wins by doing absolutely nothing. <laughs> Winning by default, my favorite way to win. We go back to Sandblast City. Sonic wakes Tails up in the middle of the night, realize that, uh, hey, hey, Sonic, bro, home slice, uh, we're prisoners here. We need to go now. And they try to escape in the middle of the night, but they're caught by Jack and the Sandblasters. They're obviously on the run. Sonic says to split up, Tails to go gets the plane started, and Sonic goes to shut down the force field that's keeping everyone inside. Tails uncovers the plane, but he's found. He entraps the sandblasters under the tarp, which apparently is enough for uh, him to start the plane and to get going. As Sonic runs around looking for the control panels, he can't find him. But in a moment of clarity and a little bit of, uh, what's the word? A little, little bit of like a spit swallow kind of moment of like, oh god, I know what I have to do. He knows that the control panel for the force field is in the most important part of the city... And Jack said it himself. Oh, it's, uh-huh. it's, it's at the fucking statue, yeah. isn't it? He goes to the most important part of the city, spin dashes, and destroys the statue of himself. Yeah! Uh, just like in the game. The force field shortens out, and by opening the field, opens the city to the Robians that were attacking the force field earlier. Jack is arguably understandably pissed. He tries to attack and arrest Sonic for condemning their home as the Robians attack. Sonic is like, deuces, bro. Leaves to look for Tails. Tails swoops down in the plane, picks him up, and leaves with the city being destroyed behind them. Sonic looks back at Sandblast City being basically in flames and says, It's too bad. They liked me. They really, really liked me. Tails says, You know, Sonic, we still have time to turn around. Just fly the plane, Tails. Just fly the plane. Sonic? God damn. And you know what? I, I, I see your reaction, Ronnie, and I'm going to be honest with you. That's not the first time Sonic like was like this, where he's just like, you know? But I'll give him this. Like, This actually is maybe not in character, but I'll, I'll give him this much. Like, They were trapped within a rock and a hard place. They were literally prisoners. Yeah, they condemned them. Yeah, they did. They condemned him. There was no good, like, answer for what they had to do. They had to escape. They had to do something. It's not good. It's not pretty. But, like, shit. Like, it's harsh. I get that. It's Honestly, it's just, it's just so weird. This, this, this version of Sonic in this story feels so not like Sonic. Oh, that's a feeling you'll get a lot when reading these comics. There are a lot of moments where, like... Sonic just feels like he's written weird. Like there was one moment in a previous episode uh, where they were de- trying to deal how to how to deal with all the Robians in Mobotropolis. At first, the king suggested to just dismantle all of them because they couldn't prove their loyalty. Then there was like a back and forth on how to deal with it. The king eventually was like, "You know what? No, I changed my mind on that. Like that's that's a little weird. I, that, that was a little weird, champ, of me to do that." And Sonic was like, "No, you should have done it." Oh, keep in mind his parents and uncle are Robians. Right. So, like, it's... 
There are worse moments for Sonic being written. I'll actually defend this in all honesty. Sonic being trapped in a rock in a hard place. They were basically prisoners. They had to escape. They had a mission. You know, time's just slipping away from them. They had to do something. There really was not many good answers. Believe me when I say that uh, this comes back. Oh, boy. This comes back. Not as soon as you'd think, but it comes back. At the same time, Snively hijacks a shuttle and flies out of the Devil's Gulag with several other uh, former prisoners, such as Draco, to Robotropolis. And that's the end of that story. Uh, oh. So yeah, you got any any thoughts you'd like to share right now? Because uh, I, I just laid some heavy-duty stuff on you guys, I think. I, I already said my piece about how I felt um, about Sonic's character throughout this. And it's not even just like the condemning them. Um, it's more like the, it's also the fact that, um, I don't imagine Sonic as someone who'd like to stay in one place for a while. So this would have happened eventually is what you're saying. No, I'm I'm just saying when it comes to Sonic, uh, his writing as a character, it's so weird seeing him want to stay in like a place for such a long time, even if they're like pampering him and like worshiping him. Yeah. It feels so weird. Fair enough. I guess cause, um... What year did this storyline come out? Uh, 97, 98. Okay, that, that makes more sense. Yeah, so we're still in, like, the air. We're transitioning out of the era where Sonic has, like, that, you know, kind of bad boy attitude, but, like... Yeah, that, that makes a lot more sense now. Yeah, yeah, so... I mean, this clearly, like, weighs heavy on him. Like, he's not, like, heartless. He's like, yeah, I I had no good options. I I This sucks what I did. But, like, what was I supposed to do? Like, I couldn't... What? That's no good. That is no good. That is no good. <laughs> Remind me never to try that again. Do it again, I dare you. Uh, no thanks. <laughs> okay. We're, we'll continue on from the last secondary story. Uh, Sally tries to go see Jeffrey in the armory where he's training everybody, but is stopped by a guard saying unauthorized personnel are not allowed in. She's the princess. How is she unauthorized? She asks. But the guard says, hey, I'm just following my orders here. Take it up with the commander. Where is he? She asks. I don't know. Just a routine walk in the park. And the, she, the scene shifts over to Jeffrey training the new team uh, uh, under fire in a training course. Uh, they go into an old Robotnik factory. Heavy hacks into the security door. He's stopped by the AI and it says, like, listen, I have important information to share with Dr. Robotnik, which the security says, good enough, go ahead. Heavy and Bomb go in. Valdez camouflages himself to disable the sensors just to be safe. And they all go down an elevator shaft, sneaking up behind a SWAT bot, knocking it out, and carting it away back to base. All one by the other. This is, like, maybe two pages? Okay. Oh, they don't waste any time in this car. Yeah, huh? quick operation. And as they're leaving, Sally catches them. She demands ask, uh, answers from Jeffrey specifically as his uh, superior commander, she calls her. And uh, Jeffrey says, hold, hold on, I'm not allowed to answer your questions. And that's an order from your superior officer, you know, King Acorn. If you have any problems, take it up with him. Damn, he pulled the no you. And that's the end of Sonic number 63. Okay. Yeah. Jeffrey is uh, uh, pulling a little bit of a muscle, I think. Still don't like him. I think he's a bad character, but, you know, them's the breaks. 
Okay, so you guys called this Jeffrey guy a simp. Mm -hmm. Who is he a simp for? Sally. Sally. Mm -hmm. And he didn't want to let her in. Mm -hmm. He wouldn't break the rules for her? Mm -hmm. That's crazy. Hey, listen. Uh, King and country first, women later. Damn. Damn, he got priorities, huh? Mm -hmm. And you know what? I respect that. I respect that. (laughs) (laughs) One of his only Chad moments. Uh, yeah, honestly, honestly. He may be a simp, but he has his priorities straight. And now, uh, we're gonna dive back into the nonsense. The Knuckles nonsense. Yeah! 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 Come on! <laughs> Round of applause, guys. Round of applause. Yeah! This is what you're here for. Yeah! This is what you're here More for. More bullshit! <laughs> Knuckles number 16, the so-called Reunions Trilogy. We'll open with uh, Laura Lee, Knuckles' mom, praying at the church. And goes home to find Knuckles in her apartment. He doesn't have a key. How did he get in? But it doesn't matter. She rushes to hug him, hoping she'd find him all right. And then uh, her boyfriend, Windmacer, comes in and tells him, Hey, hey guys, it's so nice to see you, Knuckles. Sit down, chat. I'm going to go cook dinner for all of us. Meanwhile, uh, Shuttle comes down onto the the other side of the floating island, which is uh, a deck into Haven. The home base of the former Guardians, if that wasn't established already. And the Guardians invite uh, another former Guardian, Tobor, who all have important things to discuss. We go back to Knuckles. He said he came back by just making a portal. He has no idea how he did it and is just wondering about his power and wants to see if his mom knew anything about it. According to her, she says that uh, Knuckles was born the same as any other echidna. He hatched. He normally, it takes three days between uh, hatching and birth for contact, but about a day later, L- Laura Lee was holding Knuckles after Locke said that uh, their doctor was doing tests on the boy. <gasps> Microwave. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so excited for this. She thought Knuckles uh, was normal for the most part, but uh, one day she noticed uh, him playing with, uh, you know, those little like spelling blocks. You remember? <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And uh, she noticed that his spelling was far advanced for babies his age and was able, basically able to construct sentences before he could even talk. Oh, no. Not this trope. Oh, my God. He's a genius baby. Baby. So when Knuckles was three, Locke was basically teaching Knuckles college-level concepts Excuse me? Mm-hmm. College? College-level concepts. I mean, like, STEM. Wow. That's what I'm talking about. Uh, oh. Oh, that doesn't make any sense. W- w- everything will be explained. You're not going to like the answer, but everything will be explained. It's the microwave. With that being said, Laura Lee is protesting, saying that she should have a say in how her son is raised. Locke interjects, saying, hey, this is how all the Guardians were taught. He and my multiple fathers before me. It's all good. Then uh, Laura Lee steps out and decides to ask Saber's wife, Jenna Liu, for advice. She says that, hey, relationships are all about equality. Give and take. If Locke is teaching him about his duties as a guardian, then it's your responsibility to teach him what kind of person Knuckles should be. Then we go to where the guardians are all meeting in their little round table. Tobor saying... All is well in the Dragon Kingdom, except for an incident where Sonic and Tails got involved, and it, and it became 
so bad he almost had to step in, but thankfully it didn't. Then another guardian by the name of Thunderhawk says Sonic caused a mess in Down Under, so much so he had to clean up that mess himself. Then another guardian, Sojourner, tries to talk about his Sonic story, but they're all stopped by Saber, saying that with Robotnik gone, the situation is that either Robotnik's sub-bosses are trying to keep control over their little fiefdoms, or people are just trying to move on with their lives. Now, I've said a lot of names. Do you guys need me to stop? Thunder Hawk. Thunderhawk. Yeah. yeah, that's the one that jumped out to me, too. That's <laughs> yeah. his name. And he's, like, he's purple. So he's not a complete com- uh, control V from Knuckles' character design. There's Uh-oh. so many Lou's and Lee's in the, in yeah. the Echidna culture. All, all, the echidna, all Echidna female names are hyphenated like they're Kryptonians. I, I think Ken Penders was just inspired. I, I, I like the contrast. We have we have the hyphenated names of the females, and then the males get stuff like Knuckles and Thunderhawk. Hey, listen, Thunderhawk is a badass name. You're going to fuck with a dude named Thunderhawk? You're not. Absolutely not. So, when it comes to the male echidna names, are these something like, when you're born, you're named Thunderhawk, or is this like a title that you earn? Uh, it seems like it's his birth name. <laughs> Okay. Granted, they are guardians. <laughs> they're guardians, so I think they're allowed to have stupid names, because who's going to fuck with a guardian of the floating island? I'm just imagining a two-year-old named Thunderhawk. <laughs> yeah, you know that. Like, a seven-times great-grandfather just sees, oh, my descendant's name is Thunderhawk? That's badass. Aw. Come on. Little baby Thunderhawk. Okay. I mean, imagine, imagine the machismo in this room. Come on. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, all the toxic masculinity in that household. Yeah! Yeah! Toxic masculinity! Ken Penders, you did it again. You mad lad. <laughs> so, uh, as the meeting is going on, we have three fire ants. Archimedes, Deo, and this is actually his name, by the way. I'm not oh, kidding no. you. Simper Fidelis. <laughs> Repeat that right now. Instant replay. His this last fire ant's name is Simper Fidelis. Simper Fidelis. So it's so like it's supposed to be a reference to like Sig Semper Fidelis, right? But yes, yes. It's just is it actually like spelled the way I think it is? Yes. Oh my god. Yeah. Oh my god. Oh, no. Wow. We do this. <laughs> oh no. Every time you think Ken Ken Penders can't get any lower, we just keep on digging. I'm sorry. We just we literally had a whole ass conversation about how you wouldn't fuck with someone named Thunderhawk. I cannot take someone named Simper Fidelis seriously. You know what is it? It's a spectrum. You have all these stupid names. Thunderhawk on one end, Semper Fidelis on the other. The range is the degree of which you will fuck with them. Thunderhawk? You're not fucking with that guy. He'll take your lunch money. Semper Fidelis? <laughs> Cringe. What kind of fucking what kind of fucking army LARPer family do you come from, Semper Fidelis? Fuck out of here. Get the <laughs> fuck out of here. Bro, just imagine just holding a child is like, oh, what's his name? Mm, Semper Fidelis. His full name is Semper Fidelis to our armed forces. 
Oh, Wait, what? Man. No, no, that was a joke. That was a joke. I need to explain. Oh, that was a joke. I'm so oh, sorry. You Everybody was up in arms. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I really thought you guys would get that I was just joking, but you know, I. You can't play me like that, dude. I don't know what to expect I'm from so Penders. <laughs> Dude! <laughs> From now on, though, that is his real name. That is his real it's name. Head, head cannon now. Simple Fidelis to our armed forces. So they're watching. They're saying that the Guardians have a primary responsibility to the floating island, whereas the Brotherhood look after Echidna affairs on a global scale, and they're losing that side of point. Uh, with that being said, uh, we skip back to uh, Knuckles and Lower Laura Lee. Uh, when Macer's finished cooking dinner, a nice, lovely meal. Knuckles uh, probably has never had a legitimate meal in his entire life, so this is new for him. Wait, what did he eat before? Rocks. Oh, okay. That okay. was a joke, too, by the way. What did oh. you, come on, man! Yeah, you know what? That one's on me. I'm sorry. <laughs> come on! <laughs> I don't know, but he probably did eat rocks. Anyway. Over dinner, Lorelei decides to tell Knuckles some pretty big news. That when Macer asked to marry her and she said yes and asked knuckles to just join in on their happiness you just enjoy the moment with us knuckles knuckles uh knuckles is taken a little aback and excuses himself running out of her apartment building and uh rushing by the chaotics ignoring them a uh, vector is like whoa whoa bro where are you going but julie sue like pats him on the shoulder and says listen i'll go talk to him i'll do it she walks off. Vector protests, but Espio says, listen, bro, listen. She had a look in her eyes about the situation. If you saw what I saw, you can't talk her out of it. I completely forgot about the Chaotix. Yeah. Despite the fact that the last Knuckles comic was centered on them. There's like no balance. There really isn't, is there? It's either one or the other. We're in full swing and it does not stop. We go back to the uh, Brotherhood meeting. Knuckles uh, is being discussed. And along with Ather, too, he's being involved. They're awakening powers in him that he's really not ready for. And it's actually a bigger problem that they'd like to admit. Uh, another Guardian by the name of Spectre notes, uh, In fact, Locke, you tampered with the natural order with Knuckles. And Locke is like, what are you talking about? You didn't object to what I did back then. He says, hey, back then I only spoke based on intuition. Now I speak from knowledge. Bro, you fucked up. Sojourner stops all of them saying, listen, it's fair to be concerned, but let's let's take a step back and let's look at the problem a little bit more seriously here. And uh, Knuckles is then at the docks, alone in his thoughts, as Julie Sue comes in to check on him. Knuckles says, hey, please leave me alone. I, I don't, I, I got a lot on my mind right now. Julie Sue ignores him and sits on the dock. And uh, her first instinct to cheer him up was to just give him a little kiss on the cheek, which pisses Knuckles off. Obviously. <gasps> Knuckles is like, whoa, what What are you doing? I don't even know if I like you, let alone think of you like that. Julie Sue is like, eh, don't worry about it, bro. Just don't worry about it. Whoa. That's non-consensual. Non-consensual. Sh shaking my head, man. Shaking bad my touch, head. Bad women, touch. women can do it too. Hashtag feminism. <laughs> exactly. So yeah, she says don't worry about it, and now their feelings just become a little bit more muddled. Julie Sue uh, thinking, well, I, I wish I wonder, I, I wish I knew why I feel the way I do, 
And with Knuckles thinking, uh, it actually wasn't that bad being kissed by her. And that's the end of 16. I'm looking at the image of her kissing him on the cheek right now. She looks so sad doing it. <laughs> hey, she just followed her instincts, and her instincts led her down a dark path. Man, where's Rouge? Uh, non-existent. Right now, non-existent. We'll get that's to that. Cool. We'll get to that when we get to that. Oh, boy. She wasn't introduced until like 2000. And a little while later in the comics, like 2001, 2002, I don't remember. But we'll get to that when we get to that. So, Knuckles number 17. We see an echidna overlooking the floating island, trying to uh, fly in as he sees Julie Sue on horseback, and he's panicked and recognizes her as a Dark Legionnaire. He thinks of this as a chance encounter, as a way to make amends, and attacks Julie Sue unprovoked. The echidna screams, I'm going to make you pay for everything you did to us and did to me. Hands around her throat. Julie Sue just screams, just fucking do it. Yo! <laughs> this got, like, weirdly aggressive really fast. Yeah. This, is the first, this is the first three pages, by the way. What? Meanwhile, uh, Knuckles is meditating. Uh, Archimedes interrupts and uh, says, Oh, hey, dude, uh, you're actually taking my meditation lessons pretty seriously. All right, you're, we're, we're, we're seeing some progress. The, the camera pulls out, and we see Knuckles meditating atop a skyscraper and says, Archimedes, my friend, a lot has changed. And he tries to say something, but Knuckles cuts him off by saying, Later. He jumps off the building, eyes closed, glides down, and, uh perfect landing and says that oh don't worry about this man i could still you know see my flight path thanks to the uh thanks to this little uh, guiding star gem that uh yanar gave me don't worry about it just don't just don't worry about it and uh the brotherhood is overlooking these antics seemingly concerned that knuckles is close to unlocking the secrets of this gem and they also see julie sue over the monitors approaching knuckles right then and there the power cuts out and they rush to the med bay to check on Hawking, who is, like, on life support. And thanks to the backup generators, he's fine. But, uh, Tobor and Sojourner also check behind uh, a heavy door in the same room. A chamber saying that they have to check on their honored guest. They look, saying that they can't believe the Brotherhood is aligning themselves with an outsider's cause by holding this chamber here. And as for what that is, uh, don't worry about it. We'll get to it later. Okay. As they leave, we transition to Knuckles and Julie Sue with the echidna that attacked her, and he identifies himself as Tobor, a guardian of the floating island. Oh. And uh, Knuckles is skeptical of his claim. He's never heard of Tobor before. You're not in the family records. Uh, I don't believe you. But Tobor is like, listen, bro, listen. It's good. You know why? Because I got, I, I got this. He pulls down his scarf. A striped, a striped little, like, thing, birthmark across his chest that apparently is the symbol of all guardians. And that's proof enough for Knuckles. Uh, okay. Ah, uh, yes. The Nike logo. <laughs> <laughs> that is, that, I, yeah, the floating island is sponsored by Nike. Hey, you know, gotta do what you gotta do. I Grinds mean, grind. what is their economy anyway? Who's propping uh, them up? Uh, Nike. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Knuckles says, all right, you know what? The Sprite thing, that's good enough. What do you have to say? Tobor's story is that his father, Hawking, appointed him as guardian to the age of 20. 
Hawking tasked himself with going out to the floating island outside of Echidnopolis' pocket zone and helped restore the area, with Tobor protecting Echidnopolis. He did his duty as any other guardian did before him, but before he experienced his, uh, baptism of fire, as it's called. That's what I was that mentioning to you before, so... of, like, traumatizing their children. That's what I was talking about. Mm-hmm. And yes, you are right. It is very extra. Super. The Dark Legion escaped their prison in the Twilight Zone, and their leader, Moratori, pushes back to the people of Echidnopolis, saying, We are here to reclaim your birthright, the technology that your forefather Echidnas have brought before you. And, uh, Tobor is like, uh, no, 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 you, you don't, you don't do that. And, uh, they couldn't, they couldn't even argue and resorted to violence and an all out battle ensued. As Moratori was on the brink of defeat, he pulled out a, a little box, pushed a button, which warped both Torbor and Moratori into a dimensional rift. But it was in the middle of a structure and it came down on the both of them. Tobor thought he was dead, but he heard his dad's voice, which was enough to keep him alive and he's peering out from the rubble. He sees his father take Moratori's body in a case of mistaken identity. Oh, no. And obviously, his heart was broken, but he still fought for survival and eventually dug his way out. He felt like a failure and exiled himself to wander Mobius for centuries, basically. And in a moment of honesty, when he saw Julie Sue, he thought he wanted revenge, but decided ultimately... I, I just want my family back, Knuckles. And Knuckles responds by bringing him in for a hug and says, for what it's worth, I'm your descendant, your family as far as I'm concerned, and you're not the only one with questions, in all honesty. Aww. That's cute. A moment of sincerity in these comics. You just need a feel-good moment for once in your life. Yep. Yeah. Back to Haven. Locke finds the piece uh, responsible for the power outage. It's a very tiny little thing. He says he's unable to get a replacement immediately, so it's going to be a while before we can get total power back online. So then Knuckles uh, goes to the Echidna prison and decides to talk with Kragok and says, uh, Remington, lock the door. I want to talk to my cousin. And that's oh. the end of Knuckles number 17. Okay. Oh, I should also mention right. for context, uh, uh, they are kind of like branches of the same family. Uh, Enerjack and Edmund, who was the first Guardian, are brothers. So the Guardians and the uh, Brotherhood leaders are related. Distant cousins. Makes sense. Yeah. D- just for you guys. I don't know if I'll leave that in the episode, but if I do, hey, you know, a refresher's never bad. It's good to review. This will be on the test. Oh. What? Okay. There's a test? There's a test. Oh, no. <laughs> Now we're going to be uh, finishing off our last comic, Knuckles number 18. Give yourselves a round of applause, guys. You made it this far. Honestly. Uh, my brain is still intact. That's Yay. impressive. I'll make sure to finish that. You guys have brains? Listen, I... I it's somehow. All, it's all mush now. I gave up my brain cells when I decided to do this Sonic project, so... Yeah, no, you don't have a brain. It's just a hedgehog. Mm-hmm. You know how when people say they have... On a wheel. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) When people say they have, like, hamsters in their head running in a wheel, mine's a hedgehog. Yeah. So with that being said, Knuckles number 18. We see uh, Tobor with Laura Lee. She asked him, hey, uh, Tobor, what's more important to you, being a guardian or having a family? This is the first uh, page of the comic. There are far more important questions to ask right now, and this is the first one we're getting to. 
He says he never gave the idea much thought, as he was just kind of expected to have a family that was part of my duties as guardian. Meanwhile, uh, Knuckles uh, is locked himself in with Kragok. He says, quote, We'll see if you're either a complete fool or got the biggest pair of knuckles I've ever seen, and we'll see which oh. is which. Okay. That wasn't funny at all. I don't like that at all. Boo. Boo, Ken Pender. Boo. Boo. Boo him harder. Boo. Thank Boo. you. Boo, Boo, you stink. Meanwhile, uh, <laughs> there's a lot of meanwhiles here. This is normal. Locke and Saber are trying to fix the circuit, with Locke commenting that this was such a precise thing to happen. This one tiny little piece, which happened to break the entire circuitry, quote, even an enemy would be hard-pressed to find a more vulnerable place to strike. That comment makes Saber think that this is foul play. Locke says he can't say for sure, with Saber pushing back saying that the only suspect in such a case would be the residents of Haven. In other words, other guardians. So if you're suspecting that there is a mole here, you better be fucking careful. Okay. Meanwhile, Knuckles and Kragok are, are having a little chat. Knuckles is trying to get information out about Tobor, but Kragok's not playing along. To which Knuckles reminds him, quote, I'm not a regular beat cop, and as the guardian, I'm not bound to the letter of the law. <laughs> Okay. Oh, we're, we're going Punisher oh, no. here. <laughs> Knuckle, man, Knuckle, like, what was it? Like, what's the time span of these comics? Like, two months, maybe? In two months, Knuckles went from being shocked to find out he is not the last of his race to basically using his position as guardian to threaten. Murder. I Outright murder. He is, Knuckles is the law. law. What are they going to do? Arrest the guardian? What are Who they going to do? the Watchmen. Your feelings are valid. Murder is okay. <laughs> okay, Hamtaro. <laughs> okay, Hamtaro. Facts. Kragok uh, doesn't take that threat too kindly. Beats him back, and Knuckles was like, Alright, you had your chance, and that's it. And they dive in to fight each other. And as they're clashing, a rift opens underneath them. Kragok saying, Huh, guess opposites do attract. As they're both sucked into liminal space. We then shift the scene to uh, Laura Lee talking to Tobor. Details about his story. And Tobor says that uh, because Moratori was less injured, Hawking just thought he was Tobor. Which I think must be a superiority complex kind of thing. Thinking a guardian could handle themselves better than that. You know, it's a little bit of a weird champ, I gotta admit. It's a little, it's a little fucked up. Yeah, I, I agree. Yeah, so you know what? Uh, Hawking is complicit. Uh, he is the reason for the downfall of the Guardians. He's, oh he's also God. he is also dying. So like you know what, uh, different strokes or whatever. It doesn't matter anymore. So as Tobor wandered Mobius, he met a doctor that healed his injuries, but noticed that his vision was deteriorating. So he was given cybernetic eyes to fix his vision, despite Echidna Society's disdain for technology. But hey, there's the breaks. What do I know? Uh, Tobor also points that Moratori probably feigned memory loss, since he wouldn't have been the first Guardian to put duty over family. They just bought the story and accepted him as Tobor. So, uh, Laura Lee, at a different point in time, she asked of his wife, Vani Ka, thinking, oh, she would recognize an imposter, wouldn't she? And that's where Tobor is stumped. It's like, yeah, that's a fair point, so I don't know 
I, I don't know. We really are playing Among Us here. Meanwhile, uh, Knuckles and Kragok are fighting in this liminal space, continuing to demand answers from each other. And that's that scene. We then move back to the Guardians meeting about the potential traitor in their midst, this emergency meeting, I, I dare say. Yeah, I was about to say, it really is an emergency <laughs> meeting. <laughs> Medbay was mentioned earlier. They have to confirm. Number one, the sanctity of Haven has not been violated. They do so. And uh, by the way, for the record, Tobor is not seen sitting with the rest of them. He's just staring at the monitors, not giving input. Eventually, Kragok tires out and says, all right, all right, man, I'll, I'll talk, I'll talk. So what do you know about the story of Dimitri, and who we now know as Enerjack, for the record? He retells it, and Kragok decides to give a little bit more detail. Dimitri had a son, Menkiner, who was the one who first started the Dark Legion, and it was the Guardian Stephen Wolf who exiled the Legion into the zone that they're currently in, the Twilight Zone. <laughs> Quote, Whether we experience time more slowly or move through time, we don't really know. All we know is that for every one generation that passed us, we encountered every fourth of yours. So, Tobor's father, Moratori, found a way to use the zone to his advantage. One way spying on the Guardians and came up with a plan. Impersonate a Guardian by luring him into a trap and conquer from within. Kragok says, that's all I know. I, I got no more answers for you. Right as Kragrock literally screams, hey, look, over there, and just whacks Knuckles over the side of the head and flies away. There's the are Knuckles you, I know. Are, <laughs> are you kidding me? No, I wish I would. You think I'd kid about something like this, man? This is Archie Comics Sonic the Hedgehog. This is serious business. Guardian knocked out with a, oh, look, over there. Yeah, that's Knuckles. So Knuckles gets his bearings, sees Kragok flying towards an energy portal, and follows. We skip back to Laura Lee. She and Julie Sue are going through the family archives, saying that there is not a trace of either Tobor or Vani caught in there. And Tobor says, you know, that's not a surprise to me. The enemy would have been thorough. Then uh, Tobor uh, gets a bad feeling. Uh, think of it, uh, the Spidey sense, uh, but exclusively for other guardians. Oh. Okay. Then uh, he is just like, well... Uh, Knuckles is in danger, and he jumps out the window and glides out. Tobor is, uh, basically able to see Knuckles' energy signature through both his cybernetic eyes, and that Knuckles is just giving off so much energy, quote, it's as if he's a living Chaos Emerald. Oh, oh Jesus Christ, here we go. Oh, Here no, we fucking me. go. Oh, jeez. He's gonna be like an embodiment of chaos or something. And uh, as everyone, per, per their reactions, if you're taking notes, extremely critical note, this will be on the test. Oh, no. Torbor sees the energy ripping into reality and sees uh, Kragok about to cross over. They engage in combat. As Knuckles comes through, Tobor grabs Kragok, says Knuckles, hey, listen, boy, this is my fight. You get out of here and you deal with your business. Drags Kragok into the Twilight Zone to settle a few scores as the portal closes behind them. Knuckles just hopes like, well, I hope he knows the way home. And comes back to see uh, Laura Lee and Julie Sue talking. And Laura says to Julie Sue, well, woman to woman. Knuckles is a great friend to you, I bet, Julie Sue. But uh, for your sake, let's just keep it there. Whoa! Okay. Right. Okay. okay. Unapproved of. Mm. Well, 
She's unapproved of for not the reasons you think. Oh. Oh, no. Let's just say she knows what it's like to be the wife of a guardian. Oh. That's it. Oh. Yeah. That, yeah. Okay. But she is unapproved of, which makes the drama very... Oh. Knuckles flies in at this moment and uh, tells them what happened to Tobor. Meanwhile, Haven Systems are now back online, and they see Knuckles with Julie Sue and Laura Lee. They all comment on Knuckles having a relationship with a Dark Legionnaire, saying, quote, It would present intriguing possibilities. Tobor wonders what got into Julie Sue, as Saber is in the background just patting Locke on the shoulders like, Hey man, don't worry about this, just let life happen. Tobor takes a step back, thinking that this was all a very close call, his identity was almost outed, and, quote, I'd better be ready for every contingency, as anything could happen next. And what will happen next, we'll find out on the next episode of the Archie Sonic Digest. Oh, no. We did it. We did it, guys. We did it. We did it. We survived. Our brains are slightly mushed. <laughs> uh, well, if it's only slightly mushed, I didn't do my job properly. I'm going to move on to the next comic. Oh. Ah! I'm kidding. Ah! I'm kidding. I have no more for you guys. But do you have any lemon sun drop dandelion? I wish. <laughs> I could use some of that right now. I Insane. wish. Uh, we're gonna we're, we're ending this podcast the way the the first uh, comic chapter started. <laughs> uh, depressed. Completely dead. By LSD. <laughs> I mean, LSD. Yeah. it all comes full circle. Yeah, it does. It all comes full circle. <laughs> well, uh, you guys have any final thoughts on these comics? Uh, of course, we went through a lot of nonsense together as a group, as a family. We brought the family back together for nonsense. Ah, uh, just like what normally occurs. Yeah, that's how family reunions work, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think. I think one of my favorite things from listening to this cacophony of ridiculousness is the um is the naming schemes they usually like to go with. Thunderhawk. Thunder. Hey man, Thunderhawk, I still stand by it. That's a badass name. Thunderhawk. <laughs> I think that's my biggest takeaway from this. Thunderhawk? Just Thunderhawk. Thunderhawk. <laughs> Simper Fidelis! Simper Fidelis! Simper Fidelis! Down under! Yeah! <laughs> I forgot! I really forgot! So, these comics are extremely stupid, and I'm glad to have uh, disturbed your lives to have you cursed with this information, as I do. I am Atlas, carrying the Earth on my shoulders, and the Earth is the entire knowledge of Sonic the Hedgehog's uh, Archie comic run. Not a position I'd like to be in. I don't envy you. Well, I'm making content out of it, so you know what? If I were to be making this of my own volition, reading this, you know, I, I would put me in, a, in an asylum. I would be in an institution right now because no sane man would want to do this. I agree. Hey, man, hats off to you, I guess. Don't envy me, kids. You don't, you don't want to be me. You really don't. I can appreciate man. your work from afar. That's yeah, exactly. Very, very yes. afar. Yeah, if you're Atlas, bro, I see you as freaking Sisyphus, dude. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. 
That's, Am that's, I wrong? That's the worst. God damn. That's that's the worst insult I've ever received. You don't understand. <laughs> it's even worse because of the in-universe reboot. <laughs> oh no. Uh, uh, on that uh, note, uh, why don't I let my guests uh, leave them off? You guys got anything you'd like to plug before we uh, close off the episode? I'm sure Ronnie would. <laughs> <laughs> you do it. <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, follow me on Twitch. Uh, that's twitch.com slash Ronnie underscore Valentine. You can Lucky also follow me on Twitter. Fucked it up. Oh, yeah, you're right. Oh, my God, I did that. It's twitch.tv slash Ronnie underscore Valentine. Yeah, follow me on Twitch. I play Yakuza. Very poorly. But anyways, anyone else? Uh, you know what? I'll go. Sure, why not? Uh, you can catch me on Twitch, too. Uh, I'm not gonna say the URL out, because I don't want to end up like her. Uh, just know it's Skelder with two underscores. That's S K E L D E R two underscores. And who knows? I might play fighting games there sometime. I guess I'll plug in my Twitter, uh, which is twitter.com/smashbro98. Uh, I'll occasionally retweet some stuff there. Maybe post some clips I edit here and there. I I have a YouTube channel, G O C G O C. I have no idea how to start the channel, but check it out. And I got shit, so <laughs> I got nothing. Regardless, this was a very productive episode, and uh, I have work in the morning, and I am going to go collapse. On that note, thanks for listening to this very special episode of the Archie Sonic Digest. We'll see you next time for even more Knuckles nonsense. Oh, no. (laughs) The ride never ends. Bye. The boulder goes down. Bye, everyone. Good luck to the next guest. Save yourselves. Wish him luck. Bye. (laughs)